Welcome to the Cybersecurity TLDR Show, where we save you time by providing you the too-long-didn't-read summary of cybersecurity topics and news. You can find us on YouTube with video and all the popular podcasting platforms for audio on the go. Now let's get over to your host, John Good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, John Good, and this is your Threat Intel Briefing for the week of March 12th, 2023 through March 18th, 2023. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. That way YouTube keeps pushing out content to you as I release it. And then if you're listening on podcasting platforms, make sure to subscribe on there and leave a review. Let me know if you enjoy the show, you want to hear about other things, or if there's anything else that you want to see. Also, check out the description because there is a link to the show notes where you can see all the articles that we talk about, as well as some other articles that we didn't quite have enough time to get to. Now, one quick other thing before we get started is that this is actually the 53rd episode of this show. So we've been doing this for a year, right? Just just this content. So that is awesome. I want to thank everybody that's been joining along this journey and everybody that's going to continue to join. But we've reached that year milestone for this show. And of course, we've had the YouTube channel for a lot longer than that. But I just wanted to bring that up because that's an awesome accomplishment. And I can't believe that we've been doing this for a year, but that's great. So without further delay, we're gonna go ahead and jump into the first article. So first article is CISA or CISA warns of actively exploited Plex bug after LastPass breach. LastPass in the article in the uh, news again here. CISA has added an almost three-year-old high severity remote code execution RCE vulnerability in the Plex media server to its catalog of security flaws exploited in attacks. Track to CVE 2020-5741, this security flaw allows threat actors with admin privileges to execute arbitrary Python code remotely in low complexity attacks that don't require user interaction. While CISA didn't provide any info on the attacks where the CVE 2020-5741 was exploited, this is likely linked to LastPass recently disclosing that a senior DevOps engineer's computer was hacked last year to install a keylogger by abusing a third-party media software RCE bug. The attackers eventually gained access to the engineer's credentials and LastPass corporate vault. This led to a massive August 2022 data breach after the threat actors exfiltrated LastPass production backups and critical database backups. So. When we think about this, right, and when I look at this article, the first thing that comes to mind is this whole shift to remote workforce, right? How are you securing your remote workforce, right? Your workers that are working from home, that are going to hotel networks, or they're connecting through VPNs. How is that whole security process working, right? What kind of security policies are you pushing down to your users' computers? They have administrator rights on their local computers. And those are really important things, right? Because you have something like this, this Plex bug, which typically with these Plex media servers, you know, usually it's not going to be just your regular kind of user, right? It's going to be a little bit more techie user, maybe something that's more into that technology kind of aspect of things, media streaming, stuff like that. Because that's basically what Plex is, right? But you know, it can happen with any kind of software, right? It could just be some software that somebody decided that they were gonna download and install, and then they have some kind of remote code execution vulnerability that user isn't aware of, 
doesn't know what that is even. And it's a serious, you know, serious issue. With remote code execution in general, right? Those are pretty severe bugs, vulnerabilities, because that means that basically somebody can execute commands without being at that computer, right? So just across the internet. And you know, that in itself is really, really serious. But then if you can leverage that as an attacker and install key loggers or do other stuff, which is typically what happens, then that just makes the issue even bigger, right? Remote code execution is an entry step, a very powerful entry step into compromising a bunch of systems, right? Or being able to do whatever they want. So really, really um, you know, important to look at not necessarily specific to LastPass, right? Because that's a lot of companies that are going to be really kind of vulnerable in that situation. But LastPass is just one of the major names that, you know, has been uh, linked to something like this. So definitely something to keep in mind. Next article, BlackBaud to pay $3 million for misleading ransomware attack disclosure. Cloud provi software provider BlackBaud has agreed to pay $3 million to settle charges brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, alleging that it failed to disclose the full impact of a 2020 ransomware attack that affected more than 13,000 customers. Organizations impacted by the incident include many entities, such as char uh, charities, foundations, nonprofits, and universities worldwide from the US, UK, the, uh, Canada, and the Netherlands. As the order finds, BlackBaud failed to disclose the a full impact of a ransomware attack despite its pers personnel learning that its earlier public statements about the attack were erroneous, said David Hirsch, the head of the SEC Enforcement Division's Crypto Assets and Cyber Unit. So the SEC is basically this entity in the United States that deals a lot with public companies. Uh, public companies have an obligation to provide their investors with accurate and timely material information BlackBaud failed to do so. Unfortunately, they failed to report it to management as the company lacked proper disclosure controls and procedures. This led to BlackBaud filing an SEC report the following month, which didn't include vital information about the breach's extent. So anytime there is a data breach in your organization, you have to evaluate how that affects your organization. Who does that affect? Does that affect customer data? Does that affect employee data? Uh, are there regulations around that kind of data, right? So like healthcare data or privacy data, you know, whatever other kind of data, right? Like classified data, all that stuff, right? And then what is your approach? What is your process to notifying those impacted parties? Who do you have to notify? Is there a threshold when you have to notify? Is there a time limit on when you have to notify? A lot of times these breach notifications have certain timelines of when you have to actually notify people. So whether that's 24 hours, 48 hours, a month, you know, whatever, right? Like whatever that requirement is, a lot of these uh, regulations require that certain time frame. That's really important. The other thing, especially with a public company and in the United States here, especially, right? A company that is traded on the public market. So you have investors, you have shareholders, people that go buy shares on the open market and they're a part owner, you know, whether that's small or a large po portion of that company, misleading them is a serious issue, right? We actually saw something kind of similar with uh, Uber. If you aren't familiar with that, we covered that, you know, months and months ago. 
But the big thing there was kind of similar, right? Where they tried to cover up an attack. Basically, they tried to pay off the, uh, the attackers as a bug bounty. Basically to simulate or to say that it was part of their bug bounty program. And so they tried to pay those attackers and they got busted, right? Like they got busted trying to cover this up because that's not really what happened. So anytime you're trying to cover it up, that's probably not a good idea. You should probably be a little bit more forthright and honest about what happened because that, even though if you're honest and it's kind of a big deal, you're, you know, you'll get slapped on the hands or you know, whatever the case is, whatever the punishment or fine is, right? But as long as you're showing due diligence, you're showing the, the focus, the, um, the motivation or the drive to put continued resources into your security and improve that, that continual improvement process. You're not just completely being negligent and not putting anything into, those, uh, into your security. You're gonna be a lot better off than when you tr start trying to cover it up. As soon as you start trying to cover it up, if you get busted, which you're pretty much always going to get busted, especially if you're a public company, then it's going to be way, way, way worse. Just way worse, instrumentally worse, right? And that's, they're kind of learning that. I mean, $3 million, I don't know, Blackbaud, you know, what their total revenue is, like how impactful that kind of fine is. But in you know just normal terms three million dollars isn't a small amount right like it's not like five thousand dollars so but uh yeah i mean we'll kind of see you know what comes out of this because a lot of times too when there's cover-ups you start seeing things like uh, individual accountability right so who was trying to cover this up and then uh, entities like the sec you know who do they specifically go after a lot of times you are going to see that especially when it's very just malicious in nature or you know you're really just trying to deceive people that's a serious issue so very very bad to do right next article ransomware group claims hack of amazon's ring ransomware gang claims to have breached the massively popular security camera company ring owned by amazon the ransomware gang is threatening to release Ring's data. Ring told Motherboard it does not have evidence of a breach of its own systems, but said a third-party vendor has been hit with ransomware. There's always an option to let us leak your data. That was a quote. Uh, a message posted on the ransomware group's website reads next to Ring's logo. The ransomware group claiming responsibility for the attack is Alf V, whose malware is known as Black Cat. Like other ransomware groups, AlphaV goes beyond just looking for victims' files and has a website where it names and shames its victims in an attempt to extort them. If those targets don't pay, AlphaV threatens to publicly release data stolen from them. AlphaV's site stands out in the, the section of its site where, uh, which publishes hacked data called collections is easier to search than, someone, than some other hacking group sites. So they are trying to make it very easy see who's been breached who's been hacked and really with this i mean the main thing that this makes me think about right is first of all third-party security right so supply chain security how other vendors interact with your system do they have direct connections into your system you know all that kind of stuff is important 
you have to consider that because if your supplier gets breached and they have access to some key information within your organization, well, that's kind of a serious deal, right? And they can, uh, the attackers could then have access to that information or get into your network via that third party. So that's really important. The other thing is the kind of data that you personally as a company are actually holding. And then also the, the kind of data that the third parties have access to, maybe what they're holding for you. So maybe like the, the camera video feeds, right? Like that stored data, that's those stored data files. Maybe you're not storing them in your infrastructure, but you're storing them in Joe Smith's web hosting company or data storage company, right? And so theoretically, an attacker can breach them and get access to that data. So there's a lot of different thoughts around this kind of stuff, but you just have to really evaluate, you know, what kind of access your third parties and your suppliers have, right? Some companies have a hard stance where they will not allow other suppliers to be directly connected to their main production network. You know, that, that is a consideration, right? Is that what your stance is? You allow third parties to have some kind of connection in. Maybe it's through their application, right? Like maybe they are giving you support for Salesforce or something like that, right? Like some kind of internally hosted application. I guess Salesforce isn't, you know, that's not really a good example, right? Because that's cloud hosted. But, you know, that's an example, right? Some kind of internally hosted application. All right, uh, next article. Humans still more effective than chat GPT at phishing. Human social engineers have been observed to perform better than artificial intelligent programs, AI, when trying to induce potential victims to click on malicious links. The claim comes from a new research paper by Hawks Hunt, which analyzed 53,127 emails sent to users in over 100 countries, according to its phishing training workflow. The study, authored by Hawks Hunt co-founder and CTO, uh, Pyri Avis, suggests that professional red teamers managed to induce a 4.2% click-through rate compared to 2.9% achieved by ChatGPT, outperforming the AI by 44.8%. Interestingly, there are some geographical variances between a user failure rate on human versus AI-originated phishing simulations, Avis wrote. The greatest delta, so the greatest change between the effectiveness of human versus AI-generated phishing attacks is among the Swedish population. AI was most effective against U.S. respondents. Oxhunt clarified the experiment was performed before the release of ChatGPT4, which is set to bring substantial improvements to the model. So that kind of shows you that different geographic regions or locations throughout the world have different vulnerabilities, right? There are kind of social norms that vary based on where you're at, right? It might be normal for you to get a certain type of email in Sweden, for example, versus the United States, right? There might be more user education or user awareness training for cybersecurity in one country versus another, right? And so it's just kind of a, a generally interesting experience uh, experiment. I think phishing in general, social engineering, and just how humans interact, you know, all that kind of stuff is pretty interesting because 
there is a lot of variance, right? Like there's a lot of factors that can impact that. And artificial intelligence is kind of shaking things up right now. We see new models coming out. We see improvements in current models. And, you know, ChatGPT is just one example of that, right? We've talked about several different artificial intelligence vendors and products and services that are kind of coming to market now. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see over the next, I would say, 10, 20 years, how that kind of evolves, right? Like, obviously, if you're going to retire next year, probably not going to matter to you. But if you're just starting your career out, it's going to affect you, right? Like, it's going to be a relevant thing at some point. So, pretty interesting experiment. Definitely recommend checking that out. Lockbit brags, we'll leak thousands of SpaceX blueprints stolen from suppliers. Ransomware gang Lockbit has boasted it's, it broke into Maximum Industries, which makes parts for SpaceX and stole 3,000 proprietary schematics developed by Elon Musk's Rocketeers. The prolific cybercrime crew also mocked the SpaceX Supremo and threatened to leak or sell on the blueprints from March 20th if the gang's demands to pay up aren't met. This may therefore be a bill Musk can't avoid to re reconcile, unlike others, reportedly. I would say that we were lucky if SpaceX contractors were more talkative, but I, would, I, think, but I think this material will find its buyers as soon as possible. Lockbit posted on its dark web homepage according to a screenshot shared on Twitter by security analyst Dominic Al Alvieri. The leak would still be embarrassing and might attract unwanted attention from the U.S. government for the crooks and the businesses involved, given the reliance on, on SpaceX to launch stuff for Uncle Sam. So let's be honest. Anything dealing with critical infrastructure, satellites, water systems, electricity, like the power grid, anytime attackers go after those kind of facilities or infrastructure, guess what? You know, the U.S. government especially, right, they're going to come after you. They're going to find out who you are. They're going to find out what you did. And it's, they're going to have very little leniency on those kinds of things, right? Like obviously to attack a business and compromise a business, its data, whatever, like that's a bad thing, right? And you might see the government come after you or try to find out who you are, especially if there's enough incidents of that. But when you start going after things that could be used in multifacets or, you know, human lives depend on it or whatever, like critical things like that, right? They're, they're probably going to come after you a heck of a lot harder than they would otherwise. And so it's just interesting when we see attackers that don't use, um, they don't use kind of logical thinking or common reasoning, right? And go after things that are going to bring less attention, right? To go after critical infrastructure where it's going to get a lot of eyes on you. It just seems like generally a bad idea. I mean, obviously, like, I'm not malicious, so I wouldn't do it because that's a bad idea in general, right? But as an attacker, you know, sometimes I feel like they don't think these things out, right? Like, they just kind of act, and then they're like, well, we shouldn't have probably done that, but then, you know, they can't go back. So, especially with SpaceX, right, and satellites and this whole debate about making space critical infrastructure you know, 
I would be interested to see what happens on this. I would really be interested to see if they track down who does it, right? Like specifically who did it, right? Like the individuals. That's where it gets really interesting when they can track down specific individuals that did certain things. You know, frankly, a lot of times attackers, they go on these dark forums and they just, they start bragging about it, right? And it becomes easier and easier to put the pieces together and just take down these people, right? We see people indicted all the time that have done these things. They go on forums and they're like, yes, I did that. I did it. You know, maybe it takes a year, maybe it takes a couple of years, right? If you watch something like, uh, or listen to something like Darknet Diaries, you can hear a lot of those stories about, yeah, I mean, these people didn't get taken down overnight. They got taken down as this case was built up over like a year, two years, three years, four years, whatever, right? Like this long period of time. And then eventually it caught up to them and they got caught, right? So yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, let's see here. Next article, senators call on CISA or CISA to examine cybersecurity risks of Chinese consumer drones. A bipartisan group of senators is asking the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency to examine consumer drones made by a company with deep ties to the Chinese Communist Party, warning that they could be used to spy on U.S. critical infrastructure. Several companies are in the process of expanding the use of consumer drones across the U.S. for everything from food delivery to emergency services. But U.S. Senators Mark Warner out of Virginia, a Democrat, and Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, said CISA needs to step in and reevaluate the risks associated with drones built by uh, Shenzhen DJI Innovation Technology, a company they accuse of having links to China's government. The widespread use of DJI drones to inspect crit critical infrastructure allows the CCP to develop a richly detailed, regularly updated picture of our nation's pipelines, railways, power generation facilities, and waterways, senators wrote in a letter to CISA Director Jen Easterly. This sensitive information on the layout, operation, and maintenance of U.S. government, uh, U.S. critical infrastructure could better enable targeting efforts in the event of conflict. Yeah, so one debate with drones, and this has been going on for a while, right? Since drones started coming out. Uh, when did consumer drones start coming out? Like 10 years ago or something, right? Like it's, it's been kind of a while now, but we've seen more and more drones come out. They've become more affordable, right? Like you can go get a drone for probably a couple hundred bucks and, you know, put your smartphone on it or do whatever, take pictures, fly it around. And I'm not specifically sure on like FF. FAA requirements, right? Like where you can fly it. I think you can't fly it by like airports, obviously, stuff like that. But, and maybe there's like a, a height requirement or something. But anyways, you know, that's been one debate is with drones, right? If you could just fly them freely wherever, then you can get a picture, an image of, you know, the, the layout of a facility or, for instance, you can just get up there and just watch vehicles coming in and out. What kind of vehicles are coming in and out? Is there certain times when they're coming in and out? You know, what, do, what does the physical layout look like? Where is security located at? Maybe if security has to respond to something, how fast can they respond? Right, like this is all stuff that you can literally see from the air if you're right above a facility, right? Like that's not, uh, especially if it's like not covered, right? Obviously, if the facility is covered 
and you can't see, well, then obviously you can't tell that stuff. But generally, you know, a lot of facilities are open for the most part, right? Like, so from the air, you could see a lot of stuff. And so that's kind of, you know, kind of the debate here. And specifically with a country like China, they're obviously going to have their own specific interests in doing that. If there is some kind of relationship here in this circumstance, uh, other countries are going to have other motivations. They're going to be looking for other things. But that's where physical security comes into play, right? So what kind of barriers do you have that you can prevent physical attacks or prevent people from getting in, right? Multiple layers of security, defense in depth, having controls. So that way, if somebody can get past that first line of defense, you have other controls that they also got to get past, right? Having other things where you don't make it publicly known what you're doing, kind of that OPSEC, uh, that OPSEC aspect of things, right? And that just comes down to having, having good controls, right? Kind of like encryption, where it's like, okay, even if this person knows what our controls are, or they know what our encryption algorithm is, can they really get in? You know, if that's the case, right? Like if you know the controls and you still can't get in, that's a pretty secure facility, right? So, you know, it's definitely an interesting kind of discussion, kind of debate. And I guess we'll kind of see where things are going. I know there's a lot of people that like drones, so I think they have a long road ahead of them, especially if they want to kind of put these massive restrictions on certain areas or certain places throughout the country. But, you know, we'll kind of see what happens with that. Let's see here. North Korean hackers target security researchers with a new backdoor. Threat actors connected to the North Korean government have been targeting security researchers in a hacking campaign that uses new techniques and malware in hopes of gaining a foothold inside the companies the targets work for, researchers said. Researchers from security firm Mandiant said on Thursday that, the first spotted, that they first spotted the campaign last June while tracking a phishing campaign targeting a U.S.-based customer in the technology industry. Hackers in the campaign attempted to infect targets with three new malware families dubbed by Mandiant as TouchMove, Sideshow, and TouchShift. Hackers in those attacks also demonstrated new capabilities to counter endpoint detection tools while operating inside targets' cloud environments. PlaneWalk or other malware that are uh, used are primarily delivered through macro and macros embedded into Microsoft Word documents. When the documents are open, the macros are allowed to run the target's machine downloads and executes a malicious payload from a command and control server. One of the documents used looks like the one that's, uh, they have an example in the article, so check that out. But yeah, I mean, North Korea, they really go after a lot of people, right? A lot, a lot of different people. We've seen them go after a lot of tech workers specifically. So we've talked about that previously in some of the other episodes of this show, but they've put out, you know, fake job postings with macros or with malware embedded in those. And they want you to open the PDF and then you get infected and then they can do whatever they're going to do. Uh, specifically, you know, targeting people that are looking for specific kinds of jobs. So crypto jobs were really popular as far as this technique. And then we're also seeing, obviously, in this article going after security researchers, which is an interesting technique, right? Go after the people that are trying to discover what you're doing and so that you can see what they're looking at and then shift your tactics 
So you can kind of mix things up and they can't connect all the dots, right? Pretty interesting, but this is definitely a technique where we've seen North Korea really amping up these, these types of attacks, right? Any kind of job searching or tech workers, you know, we, we've seen a lot of different instances of this just over the last year, right? So be on the lookout for this because you're probably in cybersecurity, you might do some security research, you might just work in tech, right? Uh, you are a target for these kinds of attacks, right? So be careful, be careful, please, please, please. AI generated YouTube video tutorials spreading info stealer malware. Threat actors have been increasingly observed using AI generated YouTube videos to spread a variety of malware stealers, such as Raccoon, Redline, and Vidar. Videos lure users by pretending to be tutorials on how to download cracked versions of software, such as Photoshop, Premiere Pro, Autodesk 3DS, uh, Max, AutoCAD, and other products that are licensed products available only to paid users, CloudSec researcher Pavan Karthik said. These links are often obfuscated using URL shorteners like Bitly and Cutly, or alternatively hosted on Mediafire, Google Drive, Discord, GitHub, and Telegram's Telegraph. In several instances, threat actors leverage data leaks and social engineering to hijack legitimate YouTube accounts and push malware, often targeting popular accounts to reach a large audience in a short span of time. So, oh, URL shorteners. How many of you click on URLs that are shortened, right? Like with Bitly especially and those kind of services. I don't know if you know, but that's generally a really, really bad idea. You, these have been happening for a while, right? We've, we've actually seen a lot of different attackers and attacks use URL shorteners because it obfuscates or hides, disguises, camouflages, whatever you want to call it, the actual link that that then directs you to. And so a good security practice would be to never click those, right? Even from high profile celebrities, influencers, whatever, right? You're even seeing in this article that attackers are going after those kind of prominent figures and they're trying to really take over, right? And change links because they're trusted. And then if you click those links, you're going to a trusted link that was provided by that influencer or by that celebrity. So keep that in mind. If I had one thing to recommend to you in relation to this, never click a redirection, uh, not a redirection link, a shortened link with those bit.ly kind of setups, right? It's just a bad idea in general. And I would ask, you know, if somebody is providing you a link like that, just ask what it is so you can actually find the direct link instead of one of those those shortener links, right? Sometimes forwarding links can be okay. And there's ways where you can actually check where a link is going to without actually clicking it. So you can do it before actually clicking it, but be very, very careful. I mean, it's just, it's so easy, right? All you have to do is go to bit.ly or something, throw in a malicious link, get a shortened link, throw it out there and say it's something that is legitimate. It's, it's just so easy and so easy to take advantage of people if you do that. So I just be, be careful. <laughs> Don't click those links, please. I, can't, I cannot express how many times people get compromised 
by those kinds of links, right? Like it's it's just oh, it's so bad. It it happens a lot, right? Cybercriminals exploit SVB collapse to steal money and data. I don't know if you've heard about the SVB, the Silicon Valley Bank disaster that's going on right now, but the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, on March 10th, 2023, sent ripples of turbulence throughout the global financial system. But for hackers, scammers, and phishing campaigns, it's becoming an excellent opportunity. As multiple security researchers report, threat actors already are already registering suspicious domains, conducting phishing pages, and gearing up for business email compromises, BEC attacks. These campaigns aim to steal money, steal account data, or infect targets with malware. So anytime there's some kind of scandal or something that happens, some major event, attackers are always gonna try to register other domains and things like that that are uh, similar and really try to push a certain narrative, right? It could be either way, right? Typically it's going to be in the more controversial kind of uh, path. So like with this, right, Silicon Valley Bank taken over by the uh, US government, they walked in because there was a lot of a lot of issues and kind of uh, the bank was is collapsing, right? So that's basically what's happened. There's a couple other banks that are kind of in that similar situation. But because they're collapsing, attackers are really going after that narrative that these banks are collapsing, you need to do this, you need to do that. Check out this link. This will tell you exactly what you need to know in order to avoid this kind of scam. And then that's a scam, right? So yeah, it's, again, going after human nature is a pretty effective kind of attack vector or strategy if you're trying to attack, you know, users, right? Meta to cut 10,000 jobs in second round of layoffs. Facebook parent Meta platform said on Tuesday, Going to cut 10,000 jobs this year, making it the first big tech company to announce a second round of mass layoffs as the industry braces for a deep economic turn, a downturn. Meta shares jumped 6% on the news. The widely anticipated job cuts are part of a restructuring that will see the company scrape hire, scrap hiring plans for 5,000 openings, kill off lower priority projects, and flatten layers of middle management. They followed the company's first massive uh, mass layoffs in the fall which eliminated more than 11,000 jobs or 13% of its workforce at the time after a hiring spree that doubled the employee count it had as of 2020. Worries of an economic downturn due to rising interest rates have sparked a series of massive job cuts across corporate America in recent months. Tech companies have led the way, shedding more than 290,000 workers since the start of 2022, according to the tracking site layoffs.fyi. So I cannot stress this enough, right? As a cybersecurity professional or somebody trying to get into tech, somebody that works in tech, you know, just in general, right? You have to try to make yourself as valuable as possible and make sure that whatever role you're in, you're not becoming stagnant. That's one downside of going to a company, right? Is if you really let yourself be consumed how things are done in that company or the way that you're doing things and those skills and you don't keep track of what's happening in the market you can really get left behind because especially like in tech things move very quickly right if you're not at a cutting edge company which you know a lot of people aren't then 
you could be left behind if you're not following those new technologies. For instance, right now, if you're not learning about cloud, you're falling behind, right? In 10 years, if you haven't learned about cloud, you're gonna be in a world of hurt, right? So today, if you're getting into this career field, if you're in this career field, right, either one works, better be learning about cloud. Also try to learn skills that other employers want because if you get laid off, for instance, from Meta or some other company, and you don't build up more skills that other employers want, it's gonna be a harder path to get a new job, right? Unless other companies operate the exact same way, which is pretty unlikely. But if you can build more skills, then at least you're becoming more marketable to other companies in addition to whatever experience that you're gaining in your current role, right? So it all kind of just builds up your, your professional profile and makes you a stronger and more competitive candidate. So keep that in mind, keep building your skills, Build things that employers are looking for, get certifications that employers want, you know, do all this stuff, be on the lookout for those things that employers want. I'm telling you, if you don't, it's gonna bite you big time. So that's gonna be the last article for this week. Again, this was your threat intel briefing for March 12th, 2023 through March 18th, 2023. I'm your host, John Good. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Let me know if you enjoy the content or if there's other stuff you wanna see. If you're listening on podcasting platforms, make sure to subscribe on there. Leave us a review as well. Check out the description because there is a link to the show notes. And again, remember, this was our 53rd episode. So we've been doing this for a year. And if you've been here the whole time, I want to thank you for sticking around and continuing to support the effort. If you're new, I want to thank you as well. Because as we grow, it just gets a stronger and stronger community. So also make sure to check out more of the content that I have on YouTube. There's a lot of other useful stuff on there, especially if you're trying to build your career. If you're just starting out, you're trying to get into this career field, have a little bit of something for everybody. So definitely check that out all that content that I have on the channel. But with that, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for this week. I want to thank you for joining me and I'll see you next time.